Welcome everyone to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. I'm Kate Oda. And I'm James Moore. And tonight we are going to be discussing The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It is a fiction story about, of course, Evelyn Hugo and her seven husbands. Uh, But there's a lot more to the story than that. Um, It follows her from about the 1950s to 1980s primarily, but also in the present and kind of jumps back and forth in the U.S. and Upper East Side Manhattan, but also Hollywood and L.A. Following the story and building the biography of Evelyn Hugo as she tells all the gritty details to a reporter, Monique Grant, and trying to figure out why she handpicked Monique to be the one to tell her story to. Uh, so we will be discussing this in detail. There will be lots of spoilers, so make sure you have read the book before you listen to this episode. So what were your overall first thoughts and impressions? Okay, well, I'll say that when we when when I heard from you guys that we were picking this book and I, I fell into the trap of judging the book by its title and by its cover, I said, man, this book is going to be about some flake and, you know, it's a, a shallow, non-dimensionalist flake. You know, how are they going to make this interesting? And the book was a delightful surprise on how deep it was, how it touched on so many different social subjects and economic subjects and 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 sexuality and it was a very very real book it was a a joy to read and uh, our previous book i thought after we read that one i said oh we won't run into anything this good for a while and i did so i thoroughly enjoyed reading this book i think it was it was a, a masterpiece yeah i i really enjoyed it as well i took it as kind of a fictionalized look at someone like elizabeth taylor who infamously had so many husbands and such a long career uh but with a twist <laughs> a, a bisexual twist i suppose we can we can talk about that but you know uh, did i love it uh, i was a little bit overwhelmed by the number of characters could i name all seven of her husbands absolutely not <laughs> could she I mean, yeah, because she was married to them. But, you know, some of them were very unimportant. (laughs) Um, But I did like how it all came together. And I think some of the foreshadowing was a little heavy handed. So I didn't think it was perfection, but I read it pretty quickly. I mean, I read 100 pages in one day, but that that was a day I commuted, to be fair. So an hour of that was fairy time. (laughs) But, you know, I I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, I also enjoyed it. I actually had already listened to the audiobook and then recommended it. Uh, normally, I don't really know anything about a book and kind of start with you all. So this was one of the few times where I had actually already read the book by the time I recommended it. So of course, I liked it enough to <laughs> to recommend it to include. And I knew that there was definitely a strong female character and that we would not be disappointed in that aspect of it. But I picked it up initially because I loved Daisy Jones and the Six, uh, which was one of Taylor Jenkins Reid's other books. I know that this one came out before uh, Daisy Jones. And if I were to compare the two, I would say that I still liked Daisy Jones better than this one. Um, But I think they did have a lot of similarities in the fact that they had a strong minded uh, leading woman that could also be seen as very 
very unlikable and unredeemable in some ways. So that's definitely something I want to talk about is if we think that she was redeemable or likable in any kind of way, or if she was just really the conceited, selfish person that people thought she was. So I'll open it up with that. <laughs> well, I'll offer my the reasons why I just love Evelyn Hugo as a character, because she she between hero and anti-hero. On one hand, yeah, she's she's ruthless. She's she uses people, but she's incredibly self-aware and is solid in the reasons why she's doing these things. It's just I still ended up rooting for her. And every and she says it herself as a character in the book. Everything she she did out of, you know, love for the people that are important to her, and she'd do it again in a minute. And not that I agree with everything she did and why I the book was written in and the story was told in such a way that I thoroughly understand why a lot of questions that I, and still I ended up liking her. So I think that's a, a very difficult you know, book, especially with somebody opinionated that I, I had to just, you know, concede the the crafty. I just, just loved her as a character because she was part likable and unlikable. Yeah, I, I think that Evelyn's public persona was meant to be the likable persona. And this book showed us the unlikable aspects of her that she, like James said, very craftily hid on purpose. And she she never did anything on accident. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll echo him. I liked the self-awareness, the duality of being a star, but also being a human. Would I be her friend? No. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I respect the choices that she made, except maybe moving that dead body. But you know, she she did it on purpose, so <laughs> she she definitely had a lot of agency. Very strong character there. Uh, so you know, kept things interesting. Yeah, I would say out of all the books that we've read, like this is like one hundred percent, like without a doubt, like can't even argue is she a strong female character or not like there are a million reasons why you could consider her a strong female lead and character and woman you know i don't even think anyone could argue that you know she she always made her own decisions even when she was in marriages where she was being abused she still ultimately found a way to be in control of the situation and to get out of the situation and to use it to her benefit moving forward so so that was pretty pretty cool to see in a book um, but I would disagree a little bit with you Kate about how she was really likable to public I think people admired her but I wouldn't say that she was always likable to the public actually a lot of people seem to really like gossip about her because of how many marriages she was in and she got a reputation because of all the men she had been with and been married to aside so I don't know how likable she actually was by anybody <laughs> like of course when someone has like a really high status in society and a lot of money and fame and beauty people will like them just because of those things but I don't know if people if anyone except maybe her closest friends and love interests really actually liked her <laughs> as a person and, and all of who she was so what did you think about just the fact that she had seven husbands and almost every single marriage had a different reason for why she was in that marriage or purpose or, 
you know, for her to use it as her benefit. She had a few real love connections throughout there, but what, what were your overall thoughts on just the sheer number (laughs) and different types of marriages she had? You know, it was me, you know, she marriage was something that she kind of just tossed to the side as a strategic thing. Just about every marriage she had was strategic. And the, the later, the later ones, especially to that strategy because of the way people society is at the time about bisexual what it would have done to her career it's like on one side you sent a little bit her use of people but she was being used right back by some of those same people and hopes against you're going to be a starlet in the 50s 60s whatever you can't say that you're homosexual or bisexual you can't put normal otherwise uh, no one's going to go see your movie so they kind of She's kind of backed into that. So we saw, I saw that all the husbands were, were co-stars. They were, were strategically planned. It was forced into that. So there's the give and take of likable versus unlikable. And she says straight up from the love of her life, CC, that, um, yeah, I use people, but you got to get good at it. You know, and she not only recognizes when she uses people, she recognizes when other people are using her people. She just recognized that just what his life is about. And unfortunately, she's living in a world where that's happening. Yeah, I I was worried initially that every husband was going to feel the same. Like, I fell in love with this guy. Then I fell in love with this guy. And then I fell in love with this guy. Like, I was really not looking forward to that aspect. But that it almost became like Tarzan going through the jungle of like one vine and you see the next vine. You're like, ah, I gotta get hot. And you got get the next one and you going through the jungle just surviving uh, by grabbing onto the next closest vine, whoever he is. And then as things progressed, I think the last one she she thought it was going to be romantic was number six, the director guy. And I was already like, oh, honey, <laughs> haven't you learned? Uh, and so at one point it did feel a little bit like, come on, just, just have a good one. But then, of course, the book was also making us kind of root for her to get back together with Cecilia, who I I didn't really like. (laughs) So I was like, anybody, anybody find anyone who's good for you. (laughs) So that kind of was kind of frustrating for me. All the husbands were uh, fake or duds. So why didn't you like Cecilia? She she did the thing that I don't like where a female character grabs onto something and reads too far into it and just like, I don't want to say goes crazy, but starts not communicating and acting like it's the appropriate way to have a fight, which is not, it's not how you fight. You fight by communicating. You can't just not talk to each other. So I got really mad at her her methods and how she would get mad at Evelyn and then not talk about it. So I got I got really mad about that. And I didn't like her because I felt like she was sabotaging things on purpose. No, I got mad at Celia when she opened her mouth a couple of times. When I was mad at Celia at, at, at times and I was mad at Evelyn at times when they would have their fights and everything. And they, they expressed this calmly at other points of the book. They go for the throat when they have, you know, these arguments and say the most mean and hateful things. And Celia Celia said something really mean and hateful after she had won uh, the Oscar and said something. I mean, she I'll let you read it in the book, y'all. America, I'm gonna let you read it in the book. 
But um, it's it's very unkind. But Evelyn just kind of just lets it go because she knows who Celia is. So if if she's going to hurt, she's going to make you make sure that you hurt, too. I think that's just a paraphrase of what she actually said. So that those were the times when I didn't like Evelyn and didn't like uh, Celia because they again, it's the whole using people manipulation part of things, but there was more to them than that. And it seemed like early on, they wasted all those years because they were playing games with each other in that way. But um, that's what makes this book realistic, unfortunately, because that's what a lot of people do in their lives. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, James, that, you know, that type of relationship is just a pet peeve of mine. I've had friends where they do that, like break up, get back together, break up, get back together. When you have a fight, you just like blow up and then you stop talking, you break up. And then once it's all settled down days, months, years later, then they come back and they don't ever really fix whatever that initial problem was. It just comes back eventually. And yeah, they go for the throat (laughs) when they they're upset because those feelings are just pushed down, pushed down and never actually dealt with. And then they're like, what can I say that will hurt them more than anything else? And that's what they do. And unfortunately, like Jane, said that is kind of realistic for a lot of couples and as much as I hate it and I hated reading about it um, because it just annoys me so much when people do it 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 is reality people do it and um, don't do it listeners (laughs) just just talk or just break up and never see each other again Don't do this back and forth, back and forth thing. Yeah, I guess along the lines of, you know, if you're going to take a couple of advice from this book, make note, if you've already read the book, make note that Celia and Evelyn were able to get together and have a little bit of happiness in their lives when they both surrender. They both totally surrender. They stopped being competitive and trying to win. They both surrender. And then for the little bit of time they had, they were happy. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I always say in any relationship, not just a marriage or love relationship but friendships like when when you're in tug of war you know you're just going to constantly be pulling but if you both let go of the rope and and just meet in the middle you know you're both going to end up winning even though it feels like you're losing at first that's ultimately how you get out of that tug, that constant tug of war and like i have to be right or or they have to be right like somebody has to be right all the time and and that's not that's not the truth you don't always have to have somebody be right or be <laughs> be the best in in their case. So what did you think about, I mean, we kind of touched on the different types of marriages, but I think one of the most interesting, well, there were two really interesting marriages to me. So the one was where it was basically like a couple uh, marriage where um, Harry, her manager and friend and his significant other could be together. And then um, Evelyn and Cecilia and Celia could be together because they had married, you know, each other and then could, um, you know, spend all that time together as a foursome. So I thought that was probably the most interesting marriage. But then, of course, when she ends up actually marrying Harry, um, that one I saw coming. Like, that one made the most sense. Like, eventually she'll end up marrying him just because it's a good cover, I guess, for both of them to be able to be with who they really want to be with. But also they just have such a close bond. And I feel like out of everyone she was married to, she was she loved him the most as a person because of their long relationship and friendship and understanding each other. All the other marriages were just like one of them was like an hour. (laughs) Didn't even need any of those other marriages. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that the marriage to Harry, like they actually saw each other as 
human beings instead of, you know, oh, you're a, a beautiful starlet who I shall bed and then leave. But also the seventh marriage to Celia's brother had that same sort of, you know, going into this with our eyes open feel to it that that was nice. Um, even though that guy, he didn't need a, a beard, I believe is what it's called. <laughs> He didn't need that. He just wanted a family, which I thought was cute. So those two were my favorite marriages because they were the healthiest. <laughs> well, yeah, the uh, the marriage to Harry, you know, we, we knew it was coming initially because early in the interview process, Monique did ask her point blank. She said, you know, who was the love of your life? And she said, she said, was it Harry? And the way that Evelyn answered back was so cryptic that I knew that there was something there besides just, okay, I'm just marrying this person because. And that came out in the description of how it was her and Harry, uh, Celia and, and Harry's love interest. They were both off doing something else. And they had that special time as just a three in the family type thing. And she, way did she describe it? It was absolute bliss, except, you know, none of it was sexual, but it was in every other way satisfying. You can tell from the way she talked about it. And of course, that was the best of her marriages, I think. And I think she would probably say the same thing. Although technically in the book and in their minds, you know, Cece and Evelyn did get married in their bedroom. They said vows to each other and that sort of thing. If we're going to count that, she she probably would say that's the most satisfying, even though it was short. But I think that the, the marriage to Harry was the one that she, it really embodied what she was looking for her entire life as far as family, because considering the, the father she had, had to escape from and the circumstances she, she had to escape from, she was that's what she was running toward her whole life. It wasn't the money, it wasn't power, it wasn't even the Oscar. It was that that bliss of the family lifestyle. So then, what would you say was your least favorite <laughs> marriage or husband? There were some some bad ones. I don't know if I could pick a, a least favorite. There were some in in my mind the easily the 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 one that the, as far as the marriage itself was when she was getting knocked around. That's that's got to be least favorite in my book. I'm sorry that I forget the, the husband's name, David, or something like that. Is that her know. first or second no, marriage? No, actually, second. her second. Yeah, her second marriage when she was getting, you know, she said this is the first time he hit me. Now, he kind of turned things around when he met her at the end and, you know, fessed up to all the wrong he had done and, you know, knew he, his apology really couldn't do anything. He turned into a different person, actually. But at the time, definitely number one worst marriage. Uh, super agree with that. All the other other guys were terrible people, but that guy actually, you know, broke the law and hit her. And that is unforgivable to me. So, uh, and the fact he did it to his next wife too, if you recall, Ruby was like, why didn't you warn me? So uh, he, he, he was unredeemable in my eyes. I don't care that he came back later and apologized. She should have punched him in the face because <laughs> he deserved it. He was a terrible person. Definitely the worst marriage. The only thing I'll say that I like about that being in the book is that it does give a message that because you getting into a relationship like that doesn't make you a weak woman. You know, she was a super strong woman. We we just said that she puts strength and character on a new scale as far as a strong woman. But, 
you know, that can happen to the strongest of women. And it's not a, a shameful thing to be in a relationship like that and then get out of a relationship like that. So if it's happening to you, that doesn't make you weak. Just get out of it. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks for saying that, James, because that is is so true that some people are defined by relationships, not just marriages, but just abusive relationships, whether that's um, in a romantic relationship or family dynamics, any sort of abuse and feeling like you can't be a strong person or strong female after that. And you 100% can be, you're not defined by, by something like that, that happens happen to you, you can overcome it. So I I appreciate you bringing that up and and saying that. So if we were to take him out of the equation, what would be your next uh, (laughs) least favorite? I would say the one that's like sticking out in my mind is the one that she was married to for like one hour that basically just wanted to have sex with her. And then he's like, yeah, well, that just kind of proved all her suspicions. Like she knew going into it, that's what was going to happen. But he just kind of confirmed like, yeah, he is as scummy as she thought that he was going to be. And he was clearly only after one thing. And that was also, I don't know, I guess that that helped speed things along because it wasn't a really <laughs> long marriage. It was nice and short and move on to the next one. To me, that one was almost like an homage to that time Britney Spears got married for like a day or two days or like Kim Kardashian was married for like 72 hours or something. So it's sort of almost like a a classic starlet moment of that quickie, quick in, quick out kind of wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing too about uh, Britney Spears when I was reading them. Like, oh, but I don't think that's what went down in her mind. <laughs> I don't think she had uh, all these conniving plans in place <laughs> when she got married. Well, no, I wouldn't put it. Well, maybe I would put it in the category of next worst marriage. I would definitely put in a clinch because, I mean, let's face it, they were both manipulating each other for um, reasons that they thought the other person didn't have. And even when she was, did she like, throw Adam in as an out of her performance? You know, you know, she basically put on the show and he put on the show, basically, and uh and when she started thinking, well, you know, this, I can't let this, so I die there, <laughs> you know, to make sure that he leaves, you know, it's just the ultimate, I think, I think that does also play into the worst thing because it was the worst example of two people manipulating each other to get what they needed. And in that whole thing, Celia is the one that lost and was hurt the most. The fact that it was, although I think she should have figured out that that's what was going to happen. She acted like she was surprised. After the fact, I was like, going to Vegas and they're getting married, you know, girl, the, the honeymoon can't just be playing, you know, canasta the rest of the night. So um, I, I kind of blame Cece for not realizing what was going to actually happen, but I know that she was truly heartbroken to hear about the love of her life going with some guy and and, and you know having sex that's ne- and that's never good and it came up over and over again like it does in relationships you, know, you make a mistake and it comes up over and over again so yeah she was the one that really lost in that marriage since you brought that up i was thinking about that one movie that evelyn did where she had to have the sex scene in the movie and how much that bothered celia and i was thinking about just actors in general and and how tough it must be for their spouses to have to watch them if, if they even want to watch the movie or just know that they participated in something of course they're not actually 
having sex, but you know, they're, they're very close and intimate and kissing and touching and whatever. Like, I, I mean, it's something I guess you sign up for when you marry an actor or actress who does types of movies like that. I mean, of course you could marry like a family, (laughs) family friendly star, but Um, I I mean, I don't think I could do it. I think I would be pretty jealous too. Even if I knew that it was fake, it would still be really difficult to watch or know about. Yeah. So interestingly, a girl I went to college with is now an intimacy coordinator, which is a person who goes on set and for romantic scenes, uh, they help make sure that all the actors are comfortable, that nobody is feeling like they're being used, making sure that everybody's safe, making sure that genitals don't actually touch, you know, that there was actually an SNL skit about intimacy coordinators, which is very funny. But she she actually does that and she'll post things about it. And I'm always like, oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, like little little things that they do. And and it's all about it's about trust on set between those two actors that are interacting and about trust uh for those actors with with their loved ones, knowing that like this is not real. We are not actually doing this. This is just work, you know, at your work, you use a calculator at my work. I use this man. It's the same thing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just poke the buttons and it gives you the answer. What can I say? So yeah, that, I I did feel for them because of course for that film it was before the era of intimacy coordination. So I, I get where she feels a little jealous, but she's definitely done love scenes herself. So where's the trust? Where's the trust, Celia? I don't like her, so maybe I'm just biased, but just saying. Well, my take on it is this, um, and I've heard from a number of interviews. I never experienced it myself. We are in the interview, the actor will remind everyone, okay, that love scene that you see, that's a fantasy. Because while that's happening, there's a light guy, there's a sound guy, there's a guy behind the camera. And the biggest the biggest problem is acting like you're being intimate in a crowd of people. And, and, and none of it's real. So that being said, though, I would never be able to do it. Not because of it, it would be a trust issue or whatever. It would just be sheer embarrassment of being in a crowd of people and acting like you're being intimate with somebody that's not my wife, even though I know it's all fake. It would just be embarrassing for me. That's me. But, um, you know, I can see where you would have to have some kind of understanding with your spouse. If, you know, they're in the business too, you're going to say, okay, this is scene coming up. You talk with them in advance about it. I'm sure it can be handled because all you're doing is fantasy. It's just like if you were playing the ax murder and say, you know, I'm really not going to chop people up. <laughs> you know, All that's just a fantasy. You know, it's, it's not real. And the fakeness of chopping people up is the same fakeness of, you know, being someone on screen. Mm-hmm. I think I would honestly have a tough time too. Like some of these actors are really super deep method actors who like get so into their characters. And like, I think about like Joaquin Phoenix in like the Joker and how like creepy those characters are. And like, if that was your spouse, then you're like, wow, I know you're acting, but also, wow, that is pretty uh, creepy that you could get that so far deep into a character and connect with it. I know it's a skill, but but I feel like that would also creep me out in the same way. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, the sparks don't happen, you know, because of a scene like that. 
What happens though, if it does spark, then you know they mutually say, "Hey, my trailer's right over here. We got a thing. Let's go." And that's and that has happened before in Hollywood. You know, people know, but it, you're on the screen unless you're doing a totally different kind of movie. Well, that's like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, right? They were on Mr. And Mrs. Smith, and they're like, "No, nothing's really going on." And then what do you know? Now they're together or they were together. I don't think they're together anymore. I lose track of all the, the Hollywood <laughs> breakups and marriages. I don't think yeah, they're, I, they're divorced. <laughs> this I, this is going to date me, but I think it was uh, Lisa Bonet and Mickey Rourke were in some kind of movie, Angel Heart. Things got really hot and heavy uh, during one of their scenes. And they decided to go to a trailer and finish up because of the, the, the scene. And there were so many rumors flying around about that. And at the time, Lisa Bonet was, you know, part of one of the Cosby kids in the Bill Cosby show and Bill Cosby. And we all know how that turned out. So <laughs> but it, it does. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I really like James's point a little bit earlier about the embarrassment of, of doing a scene like that in front of people. But then imagine knowing that like your mom is going to go to that movie or like your grandma, they're going to, they're going to see it too. And like you go to Thanksgiving that year and just no one will look at you and you just can't look at them either. It would just be embarrassing. It would be, it could be turned into memes at this point. You know, it could, people would write fan fiction about you as a person, not just your character. I I would not enjoy (laughs) the level of fame that is described in this book at all. No, I would not. I mean, as much as I would love to like be a best-selling author, I really don't want to be famous. I have no desire to have anybody pry into my personal life, like even like social media pages that I run for businesses, like my own businesses. It's like, I'm very careful about what I share because you just don't want to open up your own personal life to scrutiny by perfect strangers because people will people will say whatever they don't care about your feelings or if there's an actual person you know you see crazy things on on social media all the time like people just posting like horrific things uh, as a comment on somebody's post or video and so like, you don't even know this person why would you say that you would never say that to a person in real life um, and that's what celebrities deal with. Like they get death threats all the time and just for existing, just, just for being what, you know, who they are and, and being successful. Like those are the people that aren't even doing the really awful things. There are lots of truly awful people out there, celebrities and otherwise that, that maybe do deserve some, some negative energy thrown their way. But, <laughs> but a lot of times it's just like, like a teenage actress that is just all of a sudden getting like all these like awful messages and death threats. And, and I, if Evelyn Hugo was a real person in modern day, like in her prime this time, I don't think she would have been able to have seven marriages and still be like looked at in the same light that she was. I mean, even back then it was stigmatized, but now like she would just be ripped apart and I don't know if she would be able to handle it as much as she did because it would be like in her face all the time like people scrutinizing her and sending her messages and I mean they would very quickly figure out about Celia that's for sure (laughs) there's no way to hide these days but the counter that 
If Lee Hugo was starting out today as a bisexual, it would be five or six. It'd be page one. That's true. Oh, and she wouldn't have to have seven husbands. She'd have to have one wife, <laughs> you know, because we're in a totally different time. Although, of course, there's the narrow-minded and small that would always have something to say. You're always going to have that baggage in society, but it would be hugely diminished. It would not affect box office and she wouldn't give a damn. That's a good point. Um, that's really true. But with her character and the way that she used people to her benefit, I don't really know that she would be as successful as she was if she didn't have all the marriages and didn't use people as stepping stools to get to her next level. If she had just married Celia from the beginning, like, yeah, maybe she would have been famous, but I don't think I don't think she'd be able to sell her biography at the end for you know millions of dollars i think she would have found a way to climb up and and scheme her way into fame maybe she would have been she would have had an instagram influencer thing going on on the side she would have had a, a youtube channel she she would have found a way to to cling on to that fame and not let it go and no, she wouldn't be famous for having seven husbands because she could be out and, and happy, but she could be famous for who knows what other scandals uh, <laughs> while trying to make it in, in the modern world. So you never know. But you both seem to really hate Celia. So do you think that their relationship would even work for the long term if they had like the support of their fans and the support of you know, the movies and they're like, yeah, go ahead, be together, be happy. Do you think they would actually just live in bliss for their lives and be like, we're great. They would still run into issues with jealousy. There would probably still be love scenes, you know, maybe with another woman. Um, Evelyn was bisexual, so she might have love scenes still with men in movies and be interested in men. <laughs> well, yeah, I would definitely say that if if it was modern times, what would happen to their relationship? They still have the same issues. They would have the same issues now as they had then. Because strangely enough, and this is a thing in the community that I didn't realize until after I read this book and talked to some people that I know. That homosexual versus bisexual, you know, there's uh, some people, there's, there's a um, stigma or conflict there sometimes. And Cecilia definitely had it for Evelyn. She was almost resented her for being bisexual instead of homosexual. And because she had the jealousy of, okay, she likes women and men. And that really shouldn't make a difference. You know, if you're talking about some person that you think is the love of your life, it shouldn't matter. Your You don't care if your competition is double or not. So there's there's that she was they would have still definitely had the issues until they went to that surrender that we talked about when you you know truly decide to give your your life or your 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 being to someone else we've talked a lot about evelyn and her marriages and her love but i think it's important that we talk about the other aspect of the story which is monique and how evelyn picked her because of her history with the death of Monique's father and how that played into it. So she's kind of giving Monique the story as a present and like a way to lift the guilt off of herself and like make up for her wrongdoings. So do you think that Evelyn is redeemable? Like is, does this make up for what she did? Is this, does it make sense that she picked Monique for this? I know there was another reason why she picked Monique. 
think as well, but that was like the, the main one that pushed her towards money. I had such complicated feelings about this because the whole time after the reveal, I was like, okay, but what if Monique wasn't a writer? You know, how would Evelyn have tried to right the wrong of moving the body? And what would she have done? Would she have just given the rights to some random person? What if there was nobody that this guy left behind? Would she have just done nothing? It it felt a little bit too, like I felt the author basically. I felt her hand there. But at the same time, I also knew the whole time that Evelyn was involved in the dad's death. It was just foreshadowed so heavily, in my opinion. I was like, yeah, yeah, she she's involved in the death somehow. Let's see what happened. She was more innocent of the death than I expected because it was Harry who was driving and they just found them. I don't, moving the body is so suspicious. I'm really surprised that people didn't notice that there had been another body. Wouldn't there be blood on both sides of the, like, wouldn't people ask questions? (laughs) (laughs) Celebrities get away with lots of stuff all the time. I guess. I mean, I'm glad she didn't murder him, but being involved in like making him look like he did it. I don't know what repercussions that would have in terms of like insurance or something. I don't know if it cost their family money because now he was the driver. I'm I'm not sure of the details of that, but I I didn't like that they did it. Why not just take the driver and let the driver be a mystery? You know, why put the guy in the driver? I don't I didn't get that. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's complicated. Yeah, I think that maybe they could have had one or the other, like for reasonings like the guilt. Or she just happened to find this writer who had the right to die piece that she really connected with. And then she wanted to have that person who she felt like could understand what she was doing and where she was coming from. And she liked her writing style and felt like she could really do a good job with her her biography. Like that would make more sense. Like Kate was saying, it did kind of feel like, well... Yeah. Okay. The guilt that brought her to there, but how perfect is it that she's a writer? Like she just would have never had a biography if she, if she didn't have a writer. Like she seemed like she wasn't going to give up her information and her story to anybody else. So that did feel a little too clean cut um, as a reasoning. Um, but do you feel like we even really needed the whole Monique storyline or could we have just focused on this was a retelling? of Evelyn Hugo's life or do you think it was beneficial to have those time jumps and kind of the suspense and the foreshadowing? Well, I think that if we didn't have Monique and what she was going through with her divorce, it would have been a little bit more flat and less entertaining. Still a good story, but it wouldn't have been as good. Yeah, I think the the frame structure was helpful because if we had just been reading this biography of a person who does not really exist, we would have been worried about like, oh, is she going to make it in Hollywood? Oh, is she going to get that Oscar. You know, we might have been distracted by rooting for her career instead of rooting for the relationships. But having the frame story tell us before we even got into it, she gets the Oscar. She's very famous. It's seven husbands. Buckle up. You know what's happening. That that gave us time to focus on the relationships that mattered or the relationship that mattered, if you think about it. But without without being distracted by not knowing who Evelyn was, the frame story told us who she was. And then we got down into the, the gossip, the hot tea uh, of what was going on. 
And without that, I don't think it would have the same feel because if, if someone from that world was reading the biography, they would have the context. So the frame story let us be like the people who are actually in that world and have the context that they would have while reading the story. Just like if one of us was reading the biography of Elizabeth Taylor, you know, we would know she had a lot of uh, marriages and what movies she'd been in and that kind of stuff. So I thought thought that frame story was cool in that it let us let us be in the world too, I guess. So how would you compare this to Daisy Jones and the Six? I think they're both very character driven. They both kind of have the the main story that's happening, but then you also have narrators and like some sort of outside presence compiling the information. So in this case, it was the biography and Daisy Jones and the Six. It was presented more as like a behind the music kind of documentary. Um, and you had a lot more narrators in that book and a lot of maybe unreliable narrators too but you could also argue that Evelyn Hugo is unreliable because who's to say what she's framing I mean I don't feel like she has any reason to make things up at this point like she seems like she's kind of brutally honest but you never know it is her story and nobody can verify (laughs) what's true or not but do you think that there are other similarities between um the two books are they two very very different books do you think that um you know there's some similarities between evelyn and daisy well from what i remember i really enjoyed that book also but it really focused on a group dynamic even though there were two principles that were kind of fighting for control or domination in, in the group, the story really was about the group. Evelyn's story is, I mean, everything's about Evelyn. Both books were very good, but I think different as far as dealing with how the main characters were handled. Yeah, I think that the, they both dealt with how people can get famous and, and what they do with that fame and how they handle it or try to hold on to it. To me, Daisy Jones spiraled out of control. There was a lot of like drugs and, and that side of Hollywood, whereas Evelyn like clung to control with both hands. She was like, I know what I'm doing. Everyone leave me alone. <laughs> like I'm just driving this bus. And, uh, and so it was a very different way of handling fame and the strategy strategy and and that kind of stuff. Whereas Daisy, once she got it, sort of acted like she was going to have it forever, time to party. But Evelyn was a little more pragmatic. And I agree with James. I think she she could be more reliable than, you know, in Daisy Jones and the Six, people were contradicting each other and remembering differently. And, you know, in this book, even her daughter was dead. So there was nobody left to protect. Uh, So she was like, all right, rip off the Band-Aid, peace out. just as controlled as everything else she did. Uh, So they were very different characters, um, but kind of looked at the theme of fame. Yeah, I think that the author is very skilled at handling a lot of characters. I mean, we kind of lost the names of a lot of the characters and I felt the same way with Daisy Jones and the Six, even just with the people in the band, I had a hard time keeping some of them straight. But still, to maneuver that many characters in any book is very difficult and to keep them straight and to keep their motivations clear. And I will say that she's very skilled at at managing tons of different moving parts and characters Um, without making anyone feel like super, super flat. I know it's going to happen when you have that many characters, like some will be a little bit more flat than others. But um, are there any final thoughts about this book that we didn't talk about? Final recommendation review? I'll just say that I think 
because of the subject matter. And I would recommend it to just about anyone who enjoys reading. And this is uh, another book that I'm going to give a five-star rating to. Yeah, I I recommend it to readers as well. Uh, If you like old Hollywood, if you like Hollywood gossip, if you have always wanted to see two starlets just make out, you know, this is this is the book for you. I would give it, I think maybe 4.5, just because I I knew that the author wanted me to root for a romance that I just wasn't on board with. And maybe with a few tweaks, I could have been on board with it more, but I felt the author in there a couple times and I, I shouldn't have been able to do that if it was a perfect book. Uh, so 4.5, but I, I still recommend it. It was quick read, good read, enjoyed it. Yeah, I listened to the audiobook, as I mentioned earlier, and I thought the audiobook version was really interesting, too, um, just because of how it was written. It sounded like Evelyn Hugo talking, and I really enjoyed just kind of listening to her tell the stories, and so that made it go by really fast. Um, I definitely recommend it. I did recommend it to this group, too. to listen to. And I'm glad that, that you both enjoyed it. Um, even if James, you were a little cautious of it <laughs> at first with the seven husbands. And yeah, I mean, I could definitely see how it could sound like a, a fluffy uh, chiclet <laughs> novel, which we haven't really done any of those yet. Um, maybe someday. <laughs> you know, romance chiclet just for James. <laughs> but actually... I would give it probably a four out of five just because I really, really love Daisy Jones and the Six and I gave that one a five out of five. So I feel like if I'm comparing the two, I'd do a disservice to Daisy Jones if I gave this one a five. So four out of five, it was really enjoyable. Um, I don't think I'd reread it, but definitely recommend it to other people. So uh, thank you both for joining me for this discussion. And thank you to our listeners. We will be discussing The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab in the next episode. So we will be diving into it with spoilers. Make sure you've read the book before you join our next discussion and keep an eye out for that. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. Join us next month to see what we thought of another best-selling book with a strong female main character. The chat doesn't end here. Let us know your thoughts in the comment area or connect with us on social media. Enjoyed the show? Share the love. Give us a review, like, follow, and a share with your friends. Find more reviews, discussions, and articles related to publishing, writing, and editing on judgingmorethanjustthecover.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace out.